What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. The SB Nation NFL show is on the clock and we welcome you to our second episode of NFL Draft Specific Coverage. I'm your host, Michael Kist, and today we have a banger for you. We will be joined by the great Danny Kelly of The Ringer. I'm going to throw the link in the description of the show because I'll tell you, few draft guides are built like Danny's and I learn a ton from it every year. The layout is gorgeous. It's super user friendly, so I highly recommend it. Of course, if you're new to the show here, smash the subscribe button. If you're enjoying the content, hit five stars in Apple Podcasts, leave a written review. We've got you covered all off season, not only with the draft, but with free agency and all the other top headlines and storylines in the NFL. But regardless, thank you for joining us today. And we're going to get right into it. This is my chat with Danny Kelly. We're talking top 10 non-QB prospects. So guys from other positions that could go in that range at the top of the draft, what we love about them, what we're not so sure about. We're going to deal with some different stacks with some different positions. So there's going to be a lot of different positions and players discussed here. So let's go to that talk right now. Danny, welcome into the SB Nation NFL show. How you doing, brother? I'm doing excellent. How are you doing? I'm doing well. It's good to see your face again. Last time <laughs> we too. saw each other. Mobile, Alabama for the Senior Bowl a couple of years back. Wasn't able to make the trek this year. Hopefully, I get to see you next year, man. Such a such a fun event. And the Combine this year. Do you usually go to the Combine? Yeah. Yeah. The Combine, it, it should be going on right now, right? So mm-hmm. that's kind of depressing to think about. But yeah, man, I cannot wait to go back to Mobile next year. Uh, hopefully, the world is back to normal. I'm, I'm assuming it'll be back to normal by then. And we can, you know, go to, what is it? What's the what's the bar that everybody goes to call again? I can't even remember. Vons or something? Vitz. Vitz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vitz <laughs> is definitely the the bar to go to there, and hopefully we can share some drinks next year. And I think this, you know, talking about the draft because because of COVID and everything like that, everything is is so different. And just like an off the cuff question here, like, is this like the hardest draft to evaluate? Because I feel like we have less information about this class than any mm-hmm. other class in in decades, really, because of everything yeah. that's going on. I think it is. It's so hard to in, in a normal class. I mean, there's always going to be a ton of variability and um, like a wide out a range of outcomes for any of these players. But when you have like the at least baseline stuff or how big, like how tall, how much they weigh, right. you know, how fast they can run, generally speaking, that kind of stuff, it, it gives you sort of this foundation to build upon. It's not something that you should take as gospel or the most important thing necessarily, but it just helps to give context. And I, and I think not having that context this year is, it just makes everything way more difficult. I think there's going to be, um, a much broader range of like where these guys are going to go. There's going to be more surprises. There's going to be more, you know, quote, surprising falls from players, I, I would assume. And, and there probably be more two or three guys in the first round that everyone's like, what? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I was not expecting that. So um, I think that's kind of like how this changes this year. So it's going to be it's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting. 
Yeah, and there's a, like a lack of box checking, right? Like, I want to know the yeah. arm length of a guy. I want to know if if I'm concerned about a edge rusher's ability to corner. I want to know the three cone. Like, there are certain mm-hmm. things I, I I want to know about prospects and and not be concerned about. And you don't have that this year. And, and even if you do, like their pro days or whatever, like, do you trust those numbers? Right. How much do you trust those numbers? How much do different schools skew those numbers? But we'll we'll get into all that. And, and Danny, as I mentioned at the top of the show in the intro, the focus for today is getting an idea of these non-quarterback players that could find themselves selected very highly in the draft or guys that you may love in that area despite the consensus. But first, how does the Seahawks trading Russell Wilson change the quarterback <laughs> landscape in the draft? <laughs> Damn it, man. Yeah, that's that'll be interesting. I think I texted somebody the other day. I was like, well, it's it, at, at this point, I, I'm so kind of sick of hearing everything about the Seahawks every offseason. It's just like a drama fest with this team. And I've, I've called it a circus for years now. Yeah. And at this point, I've just resigned myself to whatever happens is going to be interesting. And I was telling one of my buddies to get ready for like the Tavares Jackson era part two. What, whoever that whoever the guy is going to be at quarterback, Pete Carroll just doesn't give a shit. Just put somebody in there, you know, and, and see how that goes. But yeah, so I... I to be to be honest though, I don't think he's gonna get traded. I think this is a leverage play. At least that's what it seems like to me. Maybe next year or the year after, things will come to a head and he'll you know leave or whatever. But for now, I'm going into the assumption. I'm going into 2021 with the assumption that he'll be the starter still. Yeah, I think it's a very outside shot that he is in fact traded. But it's fascinating too. You mentioned the drama. I cover the Eagles. We've had plenty of that this offseason. I know with Seahawks Twitter, I see it all all the time. So it's it's fascinating to see the reaction. And honestly, like the memes, like Seahawks Twitter is is great for the (laughs) memes coming out of this and the discourse they have is just on on a different like level through a different lens, right? Yeah, yeah, it's it's like the uh, the Rovell tweet. It, this is terrible for our country, but the content's <laughs> tremendous, kind of deal. It's terrible for our team, but just tremendous content. Yeah. So I'll take it. So let, let's get into the the draft talk. Like I said, top ten non QBs, and, and look, as an Eagles fan, as I mentioned, I have no room to judge anybody for the QB drama. So we'll move past that. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, do, I'll do it anyway. It's not my fault. But but speaking of the Eagles, uh, there are two guys right away that I know that you like and that are probably going very high. And I also see them mock to the Eagles and inside the top ten all the time. Mm-hmm. Let's start with Kyle Pitts out of Florida. And Danny, I'll, I'll pitch a softball out on this one to you. But why should a tight end like Pitts be considered in that top five, top ten area? Because he's a receiver. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, he is going to – I think he – it depends on what the teams think. I've seen several uh, reports or whatever you want to call them, tweets, rumors, that teams have him ranked highly on their boards as a receiver. There's Ooh. several teams out there that see him as a receiver now. Is is the, does that mean he's going to be a receiver at the NFL level? I don't know. I think he'll probably play tight end. Um, it's kind of like the uh, the Chase Claypool argument last year, but like on steroids. You know what I yeah. mean? Like people are like, oh, he's going to just transfer. He's going to be a tight end, and then he ended up just being a receiver like he was. So I'm guessing Pitts will end up being a tight end in the NFL. But what the discussion really tells you is that this guy has special movement skills. He's special with the ball in the air. Um, very good route runner. And this is hyperbole, but he, he almost kind of the way he moves sort of reminds you a little bit of like Calvin Johnson. I, Calvin Johnson was such a unicorn, so I'm not going to say that. But what about Pitts, like Darren Waller? Could Would you put it on that yeah. level? Yeah, yeah, that's actually who I have come to him. And, and I think Waller, I think people are anchoring to the idea that Waller is not as good. Like he, he it took him a while to get going in the NFL. He was a later round pick. Um, 
there's all these things kind of working against Waller's per, uh, perception or, or reputation as an elite player. I think Waller is an elite player in the NFL. Mm. And I mean, last year he led all tight ends in contested catches. I think that's Pitt's game too. It is very good at the catch point. You know, he's a dominant sort of a catch point bully type guy. Very good in the red zone. Um, yeah, I was watching Kyle Trask, Trask the other day mm. and Pitt's, it's, I, I just was like, having so much fun watching Pitt. It was like, I don't really care so much about Trask. I was just like, Pitts is awesome, man. Yeah. It was like a reconfirmation because I watched Pitts early in the process and, and did like my rank and then kind of going back. I'm like, okay, I got to move this guy up. He's like so freaking good. Yeah. So um, yeah, he to me is, is I guess he, you could call him kind of a hybrid between like a receiver and a, and a tight end, but I do think he has the talent um, that would make him worth being taken in the top 10. It, it's a different discussion than previous like for instance Hawkinson I think a lot of people were saying oh you can take Hawkinson in the top 10 because he can he can contribute so much in the run game too um this is a totally different discussion he's almost it's like he's you're getting this guy to be a touchdown scorer a third down converter and a huge part of your offense so like there's I think there are arguments for taking in the top 10 even though I I'm totally aware of all the sort of you know, I would say maybe bad picks in, in when tight ends have gone in the top 10 before. Yeah, yeah you, you mentioned Waller and his trek. I mean, he was a wide receiver at Georgia Tech. You're not exactly getting a whole lot of development there as far as that goes. you <laughs> right. got like one route right. where you work in the flex bone offense and, and all that <laughs> stuff. So if, totally. you, if you tell me, if like, and, and Waller too, like he plays a lot in line and I think Pitts can play in line. I think he can do tight end things. I know with the Eagles, like when Zach Ertz wasn't the best blocker, they just have him on simple stuff. It's, you know, inside yeah, the zone yeah. with the split flow action and, and all that stuff. Just don't ask him to do too much. And I think you can you can live with him there. But then what he does as a receiver, I think can be really special. I think he could be a big uh, mismatch piece. And that's really the attractive part about yeah. his game. It, it, it's it's going to sound like I'm only asking about Eagles targets here, but they're picking at six, so there's a reason for that based <laughs> in the framework of this show. There's yep. there's a receiver out there that could help a lot of teams in that area. Uh, he seems like the clear wide receiver one, and he's LSU wide receiver Jamar Chase. Uh, Danny, th- this class of wideouts has the potential to be just as special as last year's. Why is Chase mm-hmm. just seemingly clearly at the front of that charge? Yeah, for me, it's sort of his overall skill set and, and the fact that I don't have very many concerns. I think the one concern people are, are maybe having with him, which doesn't bother me so much is the lack of like elite speed mm-hmm. or um, the ability to separate, I guess. But like, to me, do you have those concerns about Deandre Hopkins? Do you have those concerns about Devonte Adams? CD lamb. Um, yeah, exactly. The same deal. It, it, to me, it's like, he's, He's so skilled at separating late in his routes, getting open at like, you know, the subtle stuff that you see from the best receivers in the NFL where you're never really open. There's like a cliche. You're never really open in the NFL. That's not true necessarily. But um, I do think like he has the ability to separate late. He has incredible acceleration. He might not be fast necessarily like a 4-4 guy, but he accelerates really fast. He's sudden. And when I found out, like I watched him before I kind of dug into his measurables. When I found out he was six foot, I was like, what? Yeah, he doesn't that doesn't make that. any sense to me. He looks, he plays big in my mind. And so there's, I guess the, the overall top end speed and the overall size would be the, the two concerns for me, but I'm not really concerned about either of those. I think he plays so physical. Um, he's like the alpha type guy, oh, a quote wide receiver one, a go-to guy. And I think he's going to be 
you know, an early success in the NFL. The other thing to keep in mind for context is like this dude, you know, obviously the LSU offense was awesome and, and maybe elevated some stats for some of the guys on that team. But I mean, you look at what Justin Jefferson did this year, this guy had Jamar chase had, he led the country in touchdowns and yards on the same team as Justin Jefferson. Like this guy was incredibly, incredibly good too. Um, arguably better than Jefferson was in 2019. And so I think he's got really good upside, you know, and his skill set I think works in the NFL. You know what I mean? It's he's big physical, um, not going to back down good at the catch point. And I honestly, he's good deep. Like people are saying he's not like an elite, take the top off of, of a defense type guy. And I think that's probably fair, but at the same time he can get deep. I, I want to say per PFF, he had more, 20 plus yard receptions than anyone in the country last year or Mm -hmm. in 2019. So it's not like he's worthless down the field either. So yeah, I like him. I comped him to Devontae Adams just because of his sort of suddenness in the, in the short area and his ability to win at the catch point. Um, I don't, I wouldn't say he's necessarily at that level of route running quite yet, but I think he has that ability. So I love chase. I think he's to me, he's pretty much the clear wide receiver one in this class. With LSU holding his pro day, I believe it's March 31st, if I'm not mistaken, is what they just announced. Let, let, let's just say he was running at the combine. At, at what point with Chase, because you're not necessarily concerned about like the deep ball and everything like that. Like CeeDee mm-hmm. Lamb, I, I, I mentioned him because he there was kind of the same debate around him. Like nobody do, knows what he does exactly special, but he just does it and it's special. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. CeeDee Lamb ran like a 4-5-1. Are you expecting the same from, from Chase? And at what point do you go... Mm, like like if you get to the four six area you're like i might have to yeah. you know really bump him down that's that's that was my first that's exactly what came to my mind if he runs like a four six at his pro day yeah <laughs> then i'm like okay maybe i'm maybe i'm like really missing something right yeah yeah something like maybe something's going on there i don't say if i i wouldn't say i'd probably drop him down a lot but in the history the four fives in the history of the nfl four four five guys are superstars all the time yep four six guys it's rarer so you have to say, is this guy an outlier? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like uh, Jarvis Landry ran in the four sixes and he just, you know, he wins in different ways, but he's, you know, that that's something that you have to kind of take into account. So um, I'm guessing he'll run in the four fives and everyone will, and, and, and everyone will probably just be like, yeah, okay, yep. that makes sense. That's like pretty much what we were expecting. So yeah. uh, we'll see. Let's keep it with wide receivers because this is a lot of people's wide receiver too. And he's a household name given that he's won the Heisman. Yeah. Alabama wide out Devonta Smith. I think we all get that he's a playmaker and he's exciting, but there's a concern with his size. Can you yeah. elaborate on the pros and cons with his game there? Yeah. So, I mean, that's, I think the, it's a, kind of what I just said. It's like, if you're expecting Smith to have him high, this high, and I do in the, in my rankings, I'm expecting him to be an outlier in the NFL, which is always kind of a, like, it's always, you're always betting a little bit that these guys are going to, you know, succeed in the NFL, like a lot of first round picks fail, all that stuff. There's already some risk there. Yeah. Um, and then when you add in the fact that he's, he's listed, I got him at, at 172. Maybe he's, he might even be skinnier than that, like 165, right. 160. When you say, like, when you look at that, that is, it's rare for guys that size, that, that rail thin sort of structure, the frame to succeed, or at least put up big numbers in the NFL. It's just a rare thing. So you have to say, does this guy have the skill set to be an outlier and, and go against the grain in terms of what we've seen historically? And I do think he does, like for whatever reason. And you said it, he's just like a playmaker. The dude just make plays, makes plays. Um, I think his his length 
shows up. He plays bigger than you'd think based on his size because he has this incredible catch radius mm. and he's so smooth and his body control is so incredible where he can go up, twist around, you know, reach up with these go-go gadget arms and, and grab the ball out of the air when you think he's like, there's no way that's going to get to this guy. Um, he still manages to get it. Um, his speed, I think, is good enough. I, I, I He always looks fast to me when he's going downfield on deep shots. I, you know, people <laughs> are talking about how he's probably going to run in the four fives or whatever, and, and that might be, be disappointing at his weight. But to me, it's like, I don't know. He had plenty of deep shots in the, in college. I saw him catch a lot of, you know, vertical routes. So that to me doesn't really worry me a lot. And then I think the other thing is just his route running, his overall football IQ seems to show up. He's just always open and yeah. he's always, you know, he just has like this sense for when to come, come back to the football, come back to his quarterback, um, get himself open uh, set up defenders with little like subtle moves, things like that. Like he's just a player. And so, um, and then on top of all that, I don't know him personally, obviously, but you hear everybody that I've talked to is like, this guy loves football is an incredibly hard worker. All the things like you want from a prospect. Um, he has all those like intangible, like mentality things too. And I interviewed him and he's just business man. Like, yeah. You know, he's not, I said, I, I like gave him a little joke about how he like won, you know, like all the awards this year. And I was like, do you feel bad for winning all the awards? Like, do you feel like you're a little selfish? And he's just like, he didn't like think that was like funny at all. He's just like, no, I mean like, you know, my teammates were great. It's like, okay. He's just like, he's so business yeah. already. And so I think that the maturity will probably help, um, you know, going into the next level. He, he's a rare, I guess he's a rare elite receiver. That's absolutely not a diva whatsoever. Yeah, I agree. We had him on the SB nation NFL show and he was exactly like you're explaining it. Like he's not yeah. like this typical diva type of wide receivers straight to business and whatnot. Very, very humble. It, when you, when we're talking about wide receivers, are there any other wide receivers that you think could sneak into that top 10 non QB conversation uh, that mm -hmm. we should be keeping an eye on? I think based on what I'm, I think the the winds are blowing this way that Jalen Waddle has a chance mm. to do. And I'm not comparing him to Ruggs, but I'm just saying like Ruggs went higher than everyone expected last year. And I think the reason that Waddle could go maybe even be the first, well, he's probably not going to be the first receiver off the board, but maybe the second receiver off the board is his speed, I think is special. And the NFL loves speed. I think it's an important thing to have in your offense. Everybody's want, everybody's trying to recreate what the chiefs do, right? Like the, how those speed guys can change the geometry of how you play defense. Um, and Waddle is good too. He's not just fast. Like he's a good receiver. He can go up high and get it. Um, he has almost like running back skill in the way he runs after the catch. He can, he lets block set up in front of him. He has incredible burst. So he he gets a lot of yards after the catch too. So I think he he's got a very interesting skill set. There are some similarities that make me like a little bit worried about him him with compared to like rugs, but he's he's a little bit built he's built different. He's a little more lower to the ground and um a little more I'd say explosive in terms of his his yards after the catch ability. So he's he's definitely a different type of player, but that speed is apparent too. So those are three big wide receivers and maybe a fourth, whatever you whatever you think Kyle Pitts is talking about yeah, possibly yeah. going in the, in the, around the top 10 non-quarterback area. When we come back here on the SB Nation NFL show, we're going to get into the trenches. We'll talk about some defensive guys that could go high. That's coming up next, right after this. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. 
Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. We are back here on the SB Nation NFL show. Michael Kist here with Danny Kelly of The Ringer. Remember, <laughs> check out his draft guide. It's it's super, super fun. I love the layout and everything like that. Danny, so we're talking about possible top 10 non-QBs. Let's get into the uh, trenches here, and I'll, and I'll set mm-hmm. it up to you this way. We're talking about two players at the top of this offensive draft, uh, offensive tackle class there's and help me with the pronunciation here. The the guy from Oregon. I went to look it up today. I didn't have my headphones on me. Is it is it <laughs> I'm gonna try it. Penai Sewell. <laughs> that works. I I actually don't know. I, I was I was always just thinking it was Penai Sewell, but I, it's Sewell is it Sewell? I have no I'm asking you. <laughs> <laughs> the way you said it sounds better. Let's go with, with that one since that's the one in your head. There's also and this is much easier to pronounce, Rashawn Slater of Northwestern. Yep. What's yeah. the fine line that separates them if if there is one there? So I think they're a little bit different styles. Like uh, Sewell, Sewell is, I would say, a little bit more like a beefy, burly, uh, power type player. You know, like if if we're comparing the two, and then Slater is a little more um, athletic, not finesse, because that's not the right word. But if if he's just like a technical type blocker, I would mm. say. And when I watch Slater. I was surprised how much, like how much I liked him, I guess. Like I thought, you know, Sewell has this reputation as this generational prospect and he's absolutely good. Like he, the, what he's done, he's so consistent. Um, you know, got the body size, the, the feet, um, basically everything that goes together. And that's why he was able to be so like dominant as like an 18 year old kid and, and why everybody's so excited about him. But at the same time, when I watched Slater, I was like, man, this guy is incredibly good. He's just so smooth and athletic the way he moves it's like easy movement skills um and i can see why you know i think there's been a few analysts that have slater over sewell swell yeah and and so i can actually see why i don't think that's like a hot take to me in my mind i, I think you know obviously sewell has the reputation and and has for a couple of years now been like the chosen one sort of like the trevor lawrence thing yeah. where he's like this guy's been a top five pick for a couple of years now and so it's hard to overcome. It's hard to like put a guy over that, but I can see why ha- people have Slater higher just because um, I don't personally, I have him on, I have Slater just one spot. I basically grouped them together more or less saying like both of these guys are studs. Um, but I can see why y- you'd go Slater just because he, his foot quickness, his athleticism, his, his body control, all that stuff is very, very good. You can see it. And he's very consistent too. Yeah. There's a thing in the draft community where it's like everyone gets crowned after like their freshman or yeah. sophomore year. And like, yeah. that's the guy. And then all of a sudden someone comes out of nowhere. It was like, maybe he's not the guy. And everyone was like, Whoa, what do you mean? And and like everyone goes back and then they start to change their mind and the takes come yeah. out and everything like that. You got to figure out what's genuine. It's the and, stock market, man. Right. It's like the stock market. Exactly. It's ADP for, 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 for draft picks. Yeah. <laughs> Let, let's, um, let's flip sides to the defensive side. There's a, there's another duo that stacks really tightly. And I know this is a fluid mm-hmm. board and things change and likely will change. You'll have updates to your board, but there's a duo that I think is going going to stay pretty high uh, and pretty tight throughout this process yeah. at the linebacker position. And they'll both probably stiff around the top 10 non-QB area. That's linebackers. Who are the two top linebackers there for you? Yeah, so I got 
Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa from Notre Dame, and then Micah Parsons from Penn State. I think both of those guys. So they're kind of they're different styles, right? Um, Owusu Koromoa. I'll just call him JOK. There you go. Do you, do you, I actually was wondering this because I know his his uh, his nickname or whatever is JOK. Do people pronounce it Jock or JOK? <laughs> <laughs> like, is it C H or <laughs> K? I have, you know I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming it's K O H. I'm just or uh, K O uh, J O K. Sorry, yeah, 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 yeah. Jock. Um. Anyways, so JOK. He to me he is a little bit of a hybrid type player. Um. He plays sort of over the slot, overhang, kind of all over the the formation. He's he is to me the most exciting electric player to watch in this draft. Mm-hmm. Like he his tape is so fun because he just flies around. He's an elite elite athlete. I know he was. I believe he was on um, the freaks list this last year. Just like lifting wise, explosion wise, jumping everything he is just a ball of explosiveness mm. and so he's really fun to watch i think if you get him on the right it's sort of um you know it's the hybrid thing is kind of hard to predict in the nfl because like a lot of times if these guys go the wrong team or a team that just wants to use these guys in a traditional manner then all the hype is like why did people hype this guy up yeah. you know what i mean and it's like simmons last year mm-hmm. um who you know i think he showed showed out well in the second half of the year but um I don't know. It's one of those things where I could end up feeling like I probably missed on this guy. But at the same time, watching Kormoa, he is just all over the field. The things he does, the speed he plays with, the the closing speed that he has, the tackling, and he's good in coverage. So I think he has all the skill set to really excel. I actually comped him to Jamal Adams, um, who's obviously a safety. But the way that Adams is like a safety slash a safety rusher, rusher yeah. <laughs> a safety rusher or something or like backer yeah. or something like that and so that's kind of the same vein i see this guy the uh, koromoa i think he could be the type of guy who in a defense that wants to use him creatively maybe this doesn't happen as a rookie but as you know second year third year as he starts like starts the, the game slows down and all that stuff um can be that type of playmaker all over the defense so i think he's really really fun now he's honestly maybe my favorite player just like bottom line yeah. in this class. And so we'll see how that goes. But um, there, there is some risk there with sort of his fit in the NFL and his ability to take on blocks, all that stuff. But um, at the end of the day, he's just really fun to watch. And then Parsons is similar vein, just like freakishly good athlete, um, ascending player who has the skill set to be, you know, a multiple use type guy. In fact, he's pretty good as a little bit of like an edge rusher. There's some similarities there as both of these guys have that skill set to be used kind of all over the formation. So um, I think most people have Parsons as their linebacker one. And I can, I can understand that, but I just really liked uh, Karamoa and I just think he's so exciting to watch. Yeah. And and it's hard to project those guys, right? Like Davion Taylor was a guy that was selected by the Eagles and he like pretty much only played overhang. And when he got into the box, you were like, this guy has no idea what he's looking at when it comes to run fits. (laughs) And you know what I mean? Like different keys. So that's the tough part is projecting him to that area. Uh, How well will they acclimate to that? Let's get to the the top cornerbacks here because we run into yet another stack. We've got Alabama cornerback Patrick Sertan the second, and then Virginia Tech quarterback Caleb Farley. Who do you think has the edge yeah. there, and why? I so I just these these are tough. I I think overall, I don't know how you feel about this, but cornerbacks to me are very difficult to project yeah. and, and and to scout just in general yep. because you know a lot of the times 
these guys are going to a different scheme in, in the NFL where they're asked to do different things. Um, and maybe their skill set doesn't perfectly fit that. Obviously, the um, the speed and the physicality at the NFL is a little bit different. But I think, to me, certain, certain another, is that, how do you pronounce that? Certain or certain? Patrick Certain, I believe it is. Certain. Yeah, his father Got played, it. and I think it's Certain in my head. Yeah. Okay. So anyways, <laughs> Sertan, he, to me, he's just got like the whole skill set, length, um, good speed, long arms, uh, you know, reactive athleticism, all that stuff, size. He's, he's 6'2", 205, I think he's listed at. So he, you know, he's got like the ability to play press, all that stuff. Um, but at the same time, man, Car- Caleb Farley is just so quick. I think Farley is quicker, more athletic, a little more, um, comfortable in you know flipping his hips moving around all that stuff so i think both of these guys have really really good traits i'll put it that Mm. way and it's just to me it's so hard to predict what corners are going to do in the nfl you know what i mean it's just i i think scouting wise quarterbacks and corners are difficult yeah to predict to predict um but i i do think for both of these guys i looked at their athleticism, you know, their ability, like their fluid athleticism, their, their ability to change directions, their length, I think, show both the, their length shows up on tape, both of these guys. Um, and so, like, to me, that's kind of like what put them over the edge. And I, I have them kind of like in the same range. So I think they're both like the top corners in this class, but it, it's it's close. Yeah, And you mentioned how important scheme fit is because you look at the example that the last draft taught us, you know, Jeffrey Okuda goes to the Detroit Lions. The scheme doesn't fit him at all. And he he looks terrible. And he was like a surefire thing. And then you have like Jalen Johnson, you know, who goes to the Chicago Bears. And it's a perfect scheme for him. And he thrives and he looks like the better quarterback. Ultimately, I think Okuda is going to be the better quarterback. But like, yeah, scheme matters so much for these guys. And it is a difficult uh, position to to project. Who other Other than Jock, who you mentioned before, who has been like the most fun you've had evaluating a prospect this year? You know, if I'm watching like... 20 day three prospects in a week and i'm just getting tired of the of the dane brugler ish grind you know the who has the fun tape that i need to go watch for like a palate cleanser from really any round dealer's choice oh man this is a good question so a couple guys come to mind i'm gonna say so my first impression was say elijah moore from mississippi but i don't think his tape is like what you said like super super fun Mm -hmm. so i'm gonna go with michael carter from north carolina who I think he's just he's twitchy. When I watch him play, like his his movement, his explosion, his ability to change direction, and his highlight reel is pretty fun. Like he's just kind of you know he's all over the place. He's a little bit smaller, um, and I think that's going to be the concern. Is like is this guy big enough to be a foundational back? Probably not. You know he was he did a rotation uh, with Javante Williams, who's also by the way like insanely fun to watch. He he's like you know potentially maybe even more fun to watch than Carter because he just breaks a ton of tackles. But different style because Carter is very like explosive. He's got juice, um, sort of like in the Naheem Hines mold yeah. where you know when you get him out in space, the guy's just making people look stupid. Um, but how about this? This is totally me sitting on the fence. But go watch the North Carolina running Love backs <laughs> because you don't have to that team. <laughs> Yeah, they are so fun to watch, man. That 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 team can run the ball. Um, Javante Williams, I think, led that led the nation in, in broken tackles and broken tackles per attempt um, for for North Carolina. So he is just in, incredibly fun to watch. Uh, in, like 
gyroscope balance and and breaks tackles and all that stuff. So those two guys, I'd say watch the North Carolina run game because, um, yeah, they're just a lot of fun. Love it. Danny, thank you so much for joining us here on the SB Nation NFL show. I mentioned your draft card a couple of times. You can elaborate that on, on, on that if you want. Also, plug yeah. where people can find you, your work, whatever you want to plug, man. Go for it. Yeah, so go check out the NFL, the Ringer's NFL Draft Guide. It's nfldraft.theringer.com. Uh, we're doing a big update next week. So on Monday of next week, it will have the guide will be up to 50 players, and you got all the scouting reports, shades of. I do my best to make player comps, even though those, those are pretty impossible to do without pissing people off. Um, and yeah, so go check that out. We do, and we I do mock drafts uh, every couple of weeks with those, and then you can check out the Ringer Fantasy Football Show, which I host. Uh, along with a couple guys and then we do that uh once a week and then i'm also doing a show with danny heifetz from the ringer on fridays which is called the big board show and that's on the nfl the ringer nfl uh feed and we're just we're going to be doing that through the draft where we talk everything um about draft in the run-up to the draft so yeah that'll be fun give give them an example of one of the comps that you make in your in your guide what's like your what's (laughs) like your favorite one because i love these so I'd say the the one that I've gotten the most reaction from is I like comp Zach Wilson to Baker Mayfield meets Henry Rowan Gardner, <laughs> who if you're if you're not old like me, that is the kid in the rookie of the year, <laughs> that movie like where he breaks his arm and all of a sudden he can throw 90 miles an hour or 100 miles yeah, an hour or whatever. Yeah. Um, Zach, the reason I did that, Zach Wilson looks like he's about 16 years old, but he's got like this like elastic <laughs> arm that can like make throws from every angle. So people seem to enjoy that one. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't say that's like necessarily the, the norm. They're all not like they're not all like goofy, you know, 90s movies, whatever. Give, give me, but... give me more of that. Give me all of that, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Give them what the people want. I really appreciate you stopping by, Danny. Thank you, man. No problem. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.